Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, Rich Valdez. columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, this is Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and we are here in New York City. Now, check this out. Imagine an inauguration filled with Antifa masks, as far as the eye could see. The biggest crowd you could imagine, just black ninja masks, with AOC holding a copy of Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto and President Bernie Sanders. One hand on the Bible... And the other hand, raised in the air. Now, those are not facts, and I always urge you to go to JustFacts.com, JustFacts.com slash rich, and that's F-A-C-T-S, because facts are so important. And yeah, I'm painting an evil picture. They're not facts. But just imagine Bernie making his plead, making a pledge for health care as a right, free health care, a borderless society brainwashing and re-educating people through these camps disguised as tuition-free colleges and universal pre-K programs. Is that the America you want? An America where tax rates now go, I don't know, let's go with 70, 80, 90% tax rates, where the government owns everything for the good of the collective, for the good of the common union, and you own nothing? That's what's on the line. Now, even though we saw some CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation into the Biden campaign, that doesn't mean that Biden is going to make it. So there's a real threat. There is a real threat that AOC's communist sympathizing grandpa, Bernie Sanders, can actually get more gravitas and gain some momentum. So what is it that we do? That's always the question. What do we do? I say it all the time. You got to take back your schools school board seat, send your kids to college to become teachers, send them to good colleges where they're not going to be brainwashed and reeducated and come out thinking that Marx was some sort of savior. But there's lots of things we can do beyond the ballot box, in addition to voting, and beyond digital activism, which is a good step and a good start. Every year, just outside of our nation's capital, gang of great patriots gets together and puts on one of the most amazing conservative patriotic programs, I'm going to call it. But it's really, I mean, it's a monstrous convention. You're talking about 5,000 plus people, like-minded individuals that believe in liberty, that believe in America, that believe in our constitution, getting together and teaching one another. And that's where I spent last Friday and, and part of the weekend at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action conference. It was a really good time. But in, apart from it being a good time and getting media exposure and being able to give a talk from the main stage, which was super cool, 
it's about meeting other conservatives, meeting other people that are out there on the front lines and those that aren't on the front lines. Those that are doing the ancillary support services behind the guys on the front line. And that's key. I think the admonition here is that, that I want to leave you with is that this isn't football. This isn't the World Series. And if this is a boxing match, you're definitely not in the audience and you're not the referee. You've got to be one of the fighters. This can't be a spectator sport. You have to get active one way or another. Figure out how you can do it. If you can't, start mentoring young people who will. But make no mistake, if you don't do it, no one else will. America's counting on you. You and only you. So like I've said in the past, and I'll say again, imagine George Washington when he hears that the Redcoats are coming, turning to the Patriots in the 13 colonies and saying, what should we do? What are we going to do? He's not going to turn to Paul Revere and say, what are we going to do? He knows exactly what he's going to do. So get your George Washington on. Channel your inner G-dub. Let the Patriot in you come out roaring. Because America needs you. Or America will have black Antifa masks. As far as the eye can see. A genderless society. Free school. No college debt. You name it. It doesn't matter. It's a completely utopian, eventually dystopian society. Don't let that happen. Up next, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on on Super Tuesday, some of the key races, the coronavirus, and a little bit about these tornadoes. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America. This is America. All right, welcome back, America. This is Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here in New York City. Now, check this out. There's a whole lot going on. We don't know the extent of it. All I know is that 19 people tragically lost their lives with a tornado that hit uh, Nashville area in Tennessee, and our prayers are with them. So prayers are going up for Nashville, and uh, we expect that the Lord's blessings will be coming right back down. But it's still Super Tuesday. There's still 14 primaries in 14 states plus Guam. The magic number, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. You can tweet at me at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S, or uh, check us out at richvaldez.com. But it's, I think it's 1391. Maybe Mr. Producer can fact check me later, but let's just call it 1300 something, right? Those, that's the delegate count that's on the table for today. Potentially 1300 delegates are up for grabs on Super Tuesday. Now, again, the bottom line number to win the nomination is, I don't know, was it 1,900, Mr. Producer? Do we know? Maybe? 1,344. 1,344. And I think the, the winning number is 1,900-something. That being said, today is a huge day, and that's why they call it Super Tuesday. Let's take a look at the cast of characters. Let's look at, like the president says, Mini Mike Bloomberg. Or as I say, El Blumbito, like the uh, Twitter account. El Blumbito and his little box was on 60 Minutes, and he tried to bash Trump. There's a lot of Trump bashing going on. Obviously, that's as per usual. But this one was interesting because even the 60 Minutes uh, anchor, Scott Pelley, weighed in to say, now, hold up. That's not right. 
Check this out. Um, I find it incomprehensible that the president would do something as inane as calling it a hoax, which he did last night in South Carolina. He, he said that the Democrats making so much of it is a Democratic hoax, not that the uh, virus was a hoax. This is up to the scientists and the doctors as to whether there is a problem. All right. So let's get this straight. Trump said that the Dems are trying to come at him and put the virus on him. They're trying to hurt him and politicize the virus. And that in and of itself is a hoax. He didn't say the virus was a hoax or the six people that have died from the virus here in the United States is a hoax. He took it very seriously. I I literally sat there and watched it live. I was two miles away from the White House as it was happening. He was incredibly solemn. He really seemed out of sorts. You could see it all over his face. And you could hear it in his speech a little while later when he came to CPAC. So what is Minnie Mike doing? El Blumbito and his little stepstool box. What is he doing? He's trying to do what the other Democrats do, but he doesn't do it as skillfully as, let's say, an Adam Schiff or a Pelosi. So it backfires and he looks like a fool. But he's not the only fool because there's a chorus line of Democrats singing the same song. Listen to this. We have a crisis of coronavirus and President Trump has no plan. What he's doing is late, too late, anemic. Mr. Trump is late. As soon as this virus started cropping up elsewhere in the world, we should have been on top of it. Do you trust and should Americans trust President Trump to deal with this crisis? No. This is an administration that does not believe in science. And so I'm not surprised that uh, he's completely uh, clueless. Look, the president we know is not a scientist, and that's a nice way to put it. He doesn't even believe in science. This president hasn't allowed his scientists to speak. The idea that the experts are not allowed to speak. The president silenced him, Dr. Fauci. I'm not being muzzled. I was cleared here, and here I am talking to you, and I'll give you the whole truth the way I always have. I've been talking about this for a while. They haven't, they don't even have a test kit. Well, we've already tested over 3,600 people here in the United States. I'm not sure what he meant when he said there's no lab kit. You know, the idea that Donald Trump said just several days ago this was a Democratic hoax, what in God's name is he talking about? Has he no shame? The Trump administration has been asleep at the wheel. We know he doesn't have the capacity or the competence to handle such moments. I cannot think of a worse person to put in charge of dealing with this coronavirus. And his response has been pathetic. This is not a democratic hoax. This is incompetence on the part of the president of the United States. And his incompetence really does put us all at risk. President Trump, good morning. There's a there's a pandemic of coronavirus. Where are you? Where is your plan? What I want to know is, where are you, Senator Schumer? Where are all the rest of these clowns doing anything to do anything in America? That's right. Crickets. They're nowhere. They want to sit here and lob these allegations that the president's incompetent, that he hates science, that he's late to the dance in the response of the uh, coronavirus. Meanwhile, you look around and you see the Iranian health minister dropped dead or at least get infected. People in Italy, dozens. China, thousands. The United States, six. Yet Trump is the one that's late. Trump is the one that hates science. Trump is the one that's incompetent. I'm going to take this moment to say, thank God Trump's in the White House and not any of these power-hungry clowns that live for politics 
and shun people. They should be ashamed of themselves. They are a disgrace. Fauci himself has been on TV over and over and over saying he wasn't muzzled, he wasn't muzzled, he wasn't muzzled. Maybe he needs mini Mike Bloomberg's step stool box so that people can hear him because he's kind of a little guy like me. But he needs to step it up. When it comes to so many issues, New York's governor, Andrew Cuomo, and the president trade barbs and they go at each other's throats. Except for this one. Because their work is its life and death. And they're working to contain this thing and do the right thing. I, for one, am happy to see how the response is progressing. But that doesn't stop these guys from coming out of their face and saying stupid things because they're fools. And if you don't believe me that they're fools, just ask one of them to quote the Declaration of Independence. Mr. Vice President, check this out. And above all, it's time for America to get back up on its feet and once again fight for the proposition that we hold these truths to be self-evident. Sounds corny. Not a joke. Think about it. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. All right. So now I laugh at it because it's funny. But if you're gonna say Rich, it's very cruel of you to laugh at somebody that's clearly showing early onset Alzheimer's or dementia, then you're right. I take it back. I've worked with that population in within my family, and that does look like it. It does sound like it. So if that's the case, I apologize in advance. If he's just a blathering idiot because he doesn't read enough. Then I laugh because that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like Joe Biden wants to talk a lot of smack, but he doesn't deliver. He's literally the former vice president of the United States. And he can't quote three sentences from the Declaration of Independence. And if you can't, you should. It's literally free. Just go online. But he's not the only idiot. There's more. These guys need to shut it down. And speaking of shutting it down... That was one of my favorite records, like in sixth grade, from Chuck D and Public Enemy. I love that they stood for conscious messaging in their music. I didn't agree with most of what they say, but I can tell you this, that I'm in politics today, or I got into politics and work in broadcasting today in the political sphere because of so much of what they did. Chuck D had a message in every single song. And it was that messaging, again, irrespective of my agreement of it or not, I honestly didn't agree with it and I don't today. We couldn't be further apart. But I love that he used his craft to educate people to what he believed was right. And I think that's important for all of us to do. Get behind a microphone, tell somebody something, do it on a street corner, do whatever you have to do, just be active. That was kind of how I started the show today. So Chuck D., is in Bernie Sanders' corner in this race. And listen to what he had to say. And Jesus in the White House in the United States of America. But you know what? I certainly can recognize a mother Hitler. Let's fight the power, y'all. Fight the power with that preach. I got to tell you, I, I'm still a fan. I'm not one of these people that uh, embraces bigotry very easily. I don't. I can disagree with you and still like you. And I do. I disagree with him wholeheartedly. Trump's not an emmer effing Hitler. Come on. Really, come on. You literally have the prime minister of Israel, every time he's on TV, say something like, we've got the most friendly president we've ever had in the United States in Donald Trump, friend of Israel. So clearly that wasn't a great Bibi Netanyahu, but you know, I'm working on it. It's not as good as Denmark, but I'm working on it. Chuck D is not a stupid guy. That's how he sees things. We disagree. But I will say this, 
We have to get better at arguing. When I argue against Bernie Sanders, yes, I do compare him to historical despots. I do. So Chuck D wants to compare Trump to Hitler. I guess that's his prerogative. I don't agree because the mass killings, the massive, horrific anti-Semitism is all absent in that analogy. So I think it's off base. But when I compare AOC to Che Guevara or Bernie Sanders to Fidel or whomever, those mass killings are also absent, but the ideology is somewhat similar, right? I mean, they're both reading from the Marx playbook, the manifesto. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. So the comparisons may be debatable and some of it may be hyperbolic. I'll concede that point. But I'll say this. Donald Trump is no Hitler. Chuck D, in my opinion, was off on that one. But man, those albums, they were straight fire. Speaking of fire... Bernie Sanders was on a roll. Listen to what he had to say. You've also called yourself an existential threat to the Democratic establishment. I guess that includes House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, (laughs) Democrats in the House and the Senate. Uh, Don't you need their support to win in November? One of the big pitches that Vice President Biden was just making is that he can help make sure Democrats hold on to the House, take back the Senate, and that you're going to be a burden for House Democrats and Democratic Senate candidates come November. That's absolutely untrue. You know, the corporate wing of the Democratic Party, a group called Third Way, attacked me and they said we are an existential, I'm an existential threat to the Democratic Party. And what I said is, yeah, I'm an existential threat to the corporate wing of the Democratic Party. For too long, the Democratic Party. So he is he's clarifying now, folks, pay attention. He's clarifying that he is an existential threat to the corporate wing of the Democratic Party. So meaning the corporate wing, meaning the ones that make money, the ones that are moderate, the ones that embrace capitalism, the ones that are hardcore leftists, they're okay. (laughs) If you have a communist sympathizing bone in your body, there is no existential threat from Senator Bernard Sanders, right? But if you do have any type of uh, semblance of capitalism that passes through your mind, you're done. You're fired. I don't know that Sanders is going to be able to fire Pelosi, that AOC is going to be able to fire Pelosi. I do think that the American people should collectively fire everyone in the House for what they did to President Trump, for what they did to each and every one of us. When these gang of idiots get together and they say things like, you know, the president is late, the president doesn't believe in science, the president is incompetent with respect to the coronavirus and everything else. They're literally saying to you that you're incompetent, that you are not on time, that you don't believe in science. It's because it's we, the people, that put the president in the White House. And they still haven't figured that out. And I think they're going to continue to insult the American electorate over and over again until they figure it out. And it's going to cost them one political loss after another. 
But let's continue with Senator Sanders. I've been going to rich people's homes, raising money, and they've ignored the working class and the middle class and low-income people in this country. That has got to change. Stand by right there. So, you know, this whole thing, this comes up over and over again with so many people I talk to. And, And it gets me because it amazes me how effective Marx is in that this idea of class structures, this social strata that he talks about, has become such a normal part of our day-to-day lexicon. The nomenclature that we use, the working class, the middle class, why is it that we are relegated to classes? And why is it that while I was a little kid and we came from very humble beginnings in Brooklyn, New York, and made my way as an adult eventually, or even as a teenager, as a teenage business owner, I went from one class to the other. Why is it that there's never talk about being able to move amongst these classes that they put you in? Why is it that I'm constantly referred to as brown, as part of black and brown, black and brown? You hear it all the time. Yet we tend to neglect the term American, which is all-encompassing, which is more positive, which is more accurate. In my opinion, I don't care. Chuck D, when you cut Chuck D, he's going to bleed red, white, and blue because he's an American. I don't care if I agree with you or not. We're all in this thing together. But this is Marx's main goal, to break people up, divide and conquer. The easiest way to subjugate people is to do it by groups, to split them into classes. Amazing how they teach this in college. And everybody becomes a Marxist expert when they leave college. Yet we don't see it for what it's worth. Blows me away. Open the doors of the Democratic Party to millions and millions of people who are trying to get by on 12, 13 bucks an hour, who can't afford health care, can't afford child care, who can't afford to send their kids to college. Stop having kids if you can't afford child care. Stop having kids if you can't send them to college. Really? At what point do we have individual responsibility? At what time will we tell our own kids, hey, look, I can't afford to do this or that. You're going to have to get a job. You're going to have to figure out how to make your own way, just like I made my own way. Not everybody's born into a trust fund. I certainly wasn't. These people speak from this throne. And and to reference the great one, Mark Levin, he constantly calls them out for who they are, saying somebody who's never had a job in their life, somebody who's worked as an activist and then became a mayor, like the Obama model. They go straight into to elected office. Literally, it's welfare. It's welfare for public servants. I got so much respect for Trump for saying no thanks to the $400,000 that they pay him to be president. And I have so much respect for people like, for example, New Hampshire, where their elected officials make a pittance. They're regular people. They're not part of the ruling class. They're not part of this elite congressman so-and-so. Why is it the congressman so-and-so always looks way better dressed than everybody else in America. Maybe because they have the best health care in America, because they have a great salary, because they cheat like crazy. The last one's debatable. Okay, no problem. But I'm saying, it's really time we wake up. This is our government, not theirs. This is why the Tea Party was effective. This is why it's important that we embrace liberty. This is why it's so important that we actually know what's going on, that we know something, that we read something, that we're aware Because if we're not, they're going to take us for suckers. And pardon my vernacular, but this is an old saying my dad used to tell me. El que no sabe, se lo van a coger de pendejo. 
You figure that one out. Go ask a Puerto Rican friend. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, brown, bald, breaking it down. Rich Valdez, liberty-loving Latino right here with Rich Cementa in New York City. I'm back from the D.C. area. We were in uh, Oxen Hill, Maryland, National Harbor at the CPAC conference. As I mentioned earlier, we were going to get to it, so now is the time. And there was a lot going on. It was a tremendous experience. A huge shout-out to uh, Matt Schlapp, his lovely wife, Mercedes Schlapp. Their hospitality was second to none. An excellent team. Dan Schneider, his family, wonderful people. Ian Walters, huge shout-out to Ian Walters and Karen. I mean, they're terrific. Everybody, honestly, at CPAC, it really was such an amazing time. And again, I was there. I was there last year. I was blown away by the amount of time that President Trump took at the podium, something like two hours and 20 minutes. It was a phenomenal speech. And this year it was equally as phenomenal, although somewhat, I'm going to say, somber, more somber in his tone, given he had just given a uh, coronavirus update at the White House prior to coming. And of course, that was discussing the uh, the death that occurred in Washington, which has continued to now being six deaths in Washington at that same uh, Evergreen Health facility. So, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with those people. But I want to get back to CPAC. It was a great time. I mean, from my radio row, broadcast row, extravaganza, it was, it was a lot of fun. I did a lot of interviews with a lot of people because I was... Part of the uh, speakers lineup, people were interested in finding out, you know, behind the scenes, what was it like when we were backstage with um, acting Deputy Secretary Cuccinelli and Deneen Borelli, and huge shout out to them too as well. It was great to work with them, and I felt very primed and very ready, very prepared to talk about sanctuary city policies because Deneen Borelli actually opened up with her first question saying she wanted to talk about the death of a 92-year-old woman in Queens who was killed by an illegal alien. And I said, oh my gosh, I know this story so well. I just interviewed the granddaughter who happens to be related to family of mine. And we did discuss that. We discussed the coronavirus and we discussed more. And switching gears into a little bit of inside baseball, the green room. It was great to be in the green room because you bump into so many people that you see in different places or you talk to on email or whatever, but you don't get to see every day. So huge shout out to our good friend here at the Mark Levin Show, of course. Mark Levin. <laughs> Mark Levin, filling in for Mark Levin. We love it when that happens. And of course, we Dan Bongino was there. Devin Nunes was there. I met and uh, bumped into Carter Page, who had a great story to tell regarding his new book. And that was a great conversation as well as KT McFarland, and it's really just so many amazing patriots that were, you know, sharing their stories and on the front lines at CPAC and in the green room. Of course, how could I not mention one of my dear friends and colleagues at WABC Radio in New York, John Batchelor. John Batchelor was the only broadcaster that was broadcasting from the VIP area backstage. Everyone else was in Radio Row, but John Batchelor being John Batchelor, he had his own setup backstage and it was great. Uh, not to mention the food at the resort was just fantastic. The um, short rib, extremely tender steak. I mean, just delicious. Absolutely delicious. But John Bachelor had introduced me to a contingent of people that were visiting from Colombia, and they were discussing uh, the issues that they have with 
illegal immigration, illegal border crossings uh, with Venezuela. People from Venezuela are going into Colombia and going back into Venezuela trying to buy guns because they're trying to build for their revolution. So I met one of the uh, senators uh, from Colombia and her sister and their entire contingent, and they were just lovely people. It was a terrific time. So, of course, a big shout-out to John Batchelor and his entire crew. Now, President Trump gave a, a great speech, an insightful speech, that had both humor and a lot of just serious substance to it. For example, my favorite part of the speech, or maybe there was two pieces that were, were really stuck out to me, two parts of the speech, I should say, that stuck out to me. The first was fun, where he said, we're going to go through the candidates, mini mic, not going to cut it, not going to cut it. So he basically wrote off Mike Bloomberg. And this was uh, before he, you know, um, crashed and burned on Saturday, saying that he just didn't think he was going to be the guy, the Democratic nominee. And he brought it down to Bernie or Biden. And put it to the crowd at CPAC. And again, you know, you're talking a a room filled with 5,000 people plus standing and media. And it was stark. The crowd wanted Bernie to be the person that Trump beats. And it was done by a show of uh, applause. So it's clear. It's clear. Conservatives all across America gathering here in D.C. area at the Maryland National Harbor Gaylord Resort at CPAC. They want Bernie Sanders to be the nominee. And I'd say, you know what, why not? Because that would be such an interesting campaign that really shows everything that's wrong with the Democrat Party. Biden probably would have a better shot at coalescing others, you know, those Democrats that are like, I'm not ready to vote for a socialist, like the the latest Gallup poll shows that while younger people are more predisposed to voting for a socialist, by and large, Democrats don't. They don't want, they don't see themselves voting for a socialist candidate. Another bit of inside baseball. Earlier today, I had a meeting at WABC Radio. I bumped into um, legendary New York sportscaster Russ Salzberg. And I see Russ and we're talking. He's like, I got to tell you, Rich. And I said, what's that? He says, I never thought in my lifetime, never thought in my lifetime that I would see an unabashed socialist this close to actually becoming president. Just, it was never even a thought. It was never an idea. And it was, and we were talking about a tweet that he'd put out that I retweeted where he was juxtaposing JFK and Bernie Sanders. And he tells me, you know, I looked at my wife. My wife's a hardcore Democrat. She doesn't favor the president. And I said, you mean she hates Trump? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and he said, even my wife said, I could not see myself voting for a single one of these candidates. And this is the problem that they have. And I think they know it. That's why their job is they're like, look, we're going to brainwash the young people as best we can to get them to hate America, to get them to love collectivism, to get them to hate billionaires, to hate capitalism. And AOC is a, an expert at this. And her communist grandfather, Bernie, he's an expert at this. But by and large, most Americans, most Democrats do not want socialism. So it was so appropriate in the theme uh, of CPAC. Their theme this year was America versus socialism. It was so appropriate, so fitting that the crowd would choose Bernie. And this would be the matchup, I think, of the year, right? It would be great to see Trump smash Bernie like a bug, to see patriotism pounce upon the Bolshevik revolution that we're seeing on the left wing. 
That would be terrific. But I'm not sold. I'm not sold that it's going to be Bernie. I'm, I think Biden may may have that shot. It may be him that goes across the finish line. I think the DNC doesn't want Bernie. I think most Democrats don't want Bernie. But there is that very large group of 18 to 39 voters that do want Bernie, that do want socialism. So we don't know how that's going to end up. What we do know is that Bernie is like a push-button ventriloquist dummy. You press the button and he says, healthcare is a right. Press the other button, Denmark, Denmark, black and brown, diabetes, whatever. You know the deal. That's my cell phone ringing in the back. Pro tip, turn off the ringer. All right, folks. Anyway, we're just about wrapped up here. I always leave you with my admonition that if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. Until the next one, America, I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.